Let's welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Felix Light, our man in London, with CBS Radio News and the Moscow Times. Felix, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good to be here, as always. Yeah, thank you. You're a great reporter, and that's why we like to have you on. So, uh, speaking of reporting, does that seem to be accurate? Are, are, are people that desperate to flee, ending up being some of the 300,000 men that are going to be sent to war? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, understate the gravity and the sort of scale of what's going on. You know, I, you know, speaking sort of from my own personal experience, I would say that pretty much every young man of sort of military age that I know uh, in Moscow uh, is making plans or has already left, you know, is making plans to leave or has already left. And so, you know, sometimes that's, you know, taking them through sort of some really sort of, you know, circuitous and, and, and long and sort of roundabout routes, you know. So as, as uh, you said in the, in the segment at the start, all the flights, you know, for four or five, six days are, are booked up. You know, it is literally impossible to get a flight out of Moscow right now. So, you know, you see people uh, sitting on trains to go over the border into Kazakhstan or into Mongolia or anything, you know, any sort of way to get out. Because, you know, this you've got you to sort of realize what, you know, the Russian army is. You know, this is not... You know, the U.S. Army is not the British Army, you know, a place where, you, you know, you're obviously trained to kill and be killed. But, you know, you're, you're, you know, treated with a modicum of dignity and a modicum of respect. You know, the Russian Army and more to the point, you know, a conscript in the Russian Army, you're not going to be treated well and you're going to be used as cannon fodder in a war that a lot of these people don't agree with. And so I think, you know, people are pretty desperate to get out of that, whatever it may cost. Okay, that's a really interesting angle you just brought up. So I, I, was, one, I was wondering if this is an indication how desperate these men are to get out of the country that they they know what's up they're getting the real story somehow we we've talked a lot with you and others about the state controlled media is still tearing the story that it's you know where we're liberating ukrainians from nazis and all this different sort of stuff so I, I was thinking well most of these young men must know the real story but part of it is you're saying just the the idea of being in the russian military at all is so miserable you might want to leave the country because the history of the Russian military, that, that, that's the deal? Well, yeah, you know, it's both, I think. You know, these people who we're talking about who are leaving, you know, these are people, I think, who are not, you know, on board with the idea of the war in Ukraine. You know, people who, you know, are not endorsing sort of Vladimir Putin's ideas. You know, Russia, you know, has a very sort of strict and very sort of, um, you know, authoritarian political system with, you know, very little free media. But, you know, you know, people in the sort of advanced cities, you know, young people, educated people, you know, they know the score, as you say, you know, they know what's up. So, you know, it's not impossible to find sort of, you know, accurate news on the Internet and whatever, you know, if you know sort of where to look. So, you know, these people are not dumb. You know, they know what they're, they're thinking about. But also, you know, yeah, you know, they've invested a lot in not going to the war, you know, and especially a war they don't agree with. You know, Russia has the, the draft for one year. You know, you get conscripted for one year when you leave school. You're not supposed to be, have to fight in wars as a conscript. But, you know, there's a really sort of roaring black market trade in sort of, you know, doctor's notes to get people out of that sort of, um, you know, year of service in the military. So there's a huge sort of almost, you know, sector of the economy around sort of getting people out of the military. So, you know, when something like this happens, when there's a much bigger call up and when it's actually to a war, I think that sort of stuff really goes into overdrive. You know, those kind of instincts, you know, people are just, you know, I'm not going to die for Putin. I'm not going to die in a war that I don't agree with. You know, I get the hell out. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've seen videos of uh, guys being hugged by their mothers as before they get on a bus that are going. So how many people seem to actually be sticking around and going, as far as you can tell? Well, you know, Russia's a, a, a very 
the sort of varied and complex country, you know, in sort of the big cities, the Moscow's, you know, the St. Petersburg's, you know, a lot of people are just going to be voting with their feet and getting out, you know, going to wherever they can. But, you know, if you're like a, a young kid in a little village somewhere, you know, you've got a very different life experience, you know. It's more likely that sort of, you know, your, your dad's already served in the army, you know, or your grandfather's already served in the army. So, you know, it's, it's sort of much more normal. And I think, you know, those people, they don't really have the resources to sort of get out of the country, get out of the way. So I think, you know, what we see is that, you know, if you get away from the big cities to sort of, especially sort of ethnic minority areas, you know, parts of Siberia, parts of the south of Russia, where, you know, a lot of the people aren't actually sort of, you know, European sort of ethnic Russians, you know, they're, they're Muslims or they're sort of Asians or whatever, you know, these people are really getting called up. You know, there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of military recruitment going on there now. And a lot of the burden of this mobilization is really falling on these people, I think. Um, what is your take on how long it's going to take before these guys are actually in the field fighting Ukrainians, trying to liberate them from the Nazis? Yeah, right. Well, you know, it's not going to take long. You know, these people are not going to get the sort of the red carpet treatment in the military. You know, you're going to get sort of, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks of training, you know, because you're already theoretically a member of the reserves. You know, you're already theoretically a member of the Russian army. You've been trained before and now you're getting sent off to war. So, you know, these people are going to be put in a pretty damn fast conveyor belt, you know, to Ukraine. So these people are going to be showing up on the front very quickly, I would suspect. Wow. One final question for Felix Light, who is uh, in London, but he's a a, a reporter on all things Russia and has been for a while. Um, uh, How seriously are Europeans taking the nuclear threat that Putin put out the other day? Well, you know, I think the war obviously feels a bit closer to us. But, you know, when you're talking nuclear, you know, it's it's almost so bad that you can't imagine it, you know. And right. sort of, I think, for, for, you know, for the moment, people do worry a lot about the war. You know, they worry about gas prices. They worry about sort of energy costs here, which are really going up in Europe. You know, so America obviously can get its, its gas and its, its fuel from other sort of sources. But Europe is really, really dependent on Russia. And so, you know, that's a big worry, I think, here right now. You know, nuclear is obviously terrifying, but, you know, it's, it's almost that thing that you don't want to think about because it's too bad to think about. Right? So I wouldn't say people worry about it on a day-to-day level. Yet. Right. Okay, cool. Always good. Felix Light uh, from London. Thank you, Felix. Always a pleasure. Cheers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.